Welcome to Made in Africa. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Made in Africa podcast. It's almost time for the 2022 World Cup to get started in Qatar, and the excitement is really building. In this special World Cup preview, we'll be looking ahead to the group stages with some very special guests. Gary Al Smith of Joy Sports in Ghana and Yoro Mangana, a Senegalese journalist who has worked for RFN and the BBC. They will be assessing the chances of the five African teams who will be in action over the next few weeks. Is this the year that one of them could reach the last four for the first time in history? Or will it be another disappointing return like in Russia, where no teams made it into the knockout stages? We will be discussing that soon, but first, it's time to welcome my excellent co-host, Rahman Osman. It's been a while, mate, but how are you? Hey, good to have you back from Senegal, Ed. How are you doing? Yeah, I'm really good, thanks. Yeah, as you mentioned, I've uh, just come back from two weeks in Senegal, and uh, amazing trip, actually, mate. Absolutely unbelievable. My, the first time I've been to West Africa on holiday, and uh, it was an unforgettable experience. Uh, where, where, where about were you in Senegal? Dakar? Uh, I spent a few days in Dakar and also a few days in, in uh, Casamance down south where Sadio Mane and also Alio Cisse are both from. Uh, oh. And it was, that, that was really cool. It was great. So I went to Sadio Mane's home village, met his mum. Yeah, in Bambali. Met his mother as well, who was very, uh, very nice woman, uh, who's sweeping the step of their house outside. Uh, was where, she? Where, where, yeah, she was. Yeah. And she was a really lovely woman. Like, she, uh, she didn't want to have a photo taken, but I, I, I didn't, you know, I did. I was, I was respectful. I didn't want to have my photo taken, particularly with her and impinge on what she was doing. But like, it was just so, it was such a welcoming place. Like, I'm sure you know that a, a lot of places we went in Africa, we were just welcoming to people's houses, like with you know, with no, you know, no previous in, in invitation, and it's just an amazing reception. Uh, like, uh, especially because I was able to present Sadio's uncle with a copy of Made in Africa. Uh, which he said oh, he's going to give to Sadio when he's back. So hopefully <laughs> he'll get a chance to see that maybe one day. But yeah, it was really a really amazing uh, place to be. Just such an amazing football culture. That was the the thing I really took away. On the beaches, yeah. everywhere, uh, the standard of football and just the number of guys uh, and few women occasionally playing football was was amazing. Yeah, no, it sounds it sounds just like where I come from in Ghana, where you can literally walk into anyone's home without notice and you'd yeah. see all the women and in the morning especially if you go cleaning themselves sweeping the front of their houses it don't matter how much money you make or all it's just the culture and way of living and i'm glad yeah you were able to experience something like that yeah it's very i feel it's very different like to, to europe where we live quite individual lives don't we and you know you know maybe some people don't know their neighbors in Europe, yeah. you know, but whereas in, in, in Africa, you get the sense that everybody sort of clubs together and like you know helps each other, and yeah, you know, a lot of open door houses, yeah. you know, when nothing's hidden. Yeah, no, yeah, quite, quite, really interesting, I should say. But it's yeah. the experience that you you leave that make you the human being you are. So I'm glad you were able to go on holiday to Senegal, see the culture, because you're such a passionate African football lover and. To be able to see that it gives you an idea of how how some of the players you report on how where they were born how their culture and their minds were shaped and it just helps the culture and richness of your reportage when you when you're writing about them it's really cool no definitely definitely i, I agree and, and yeah it was, it was such a shame though because a, a couple of days after uh i uh i went to see uh Sadio's home hometown and met his uncle and everything and did a great interview with him 
obviously he got injured and I was so I was there to see you know the devastation in the country when that when that happened I think most people are quite uh optimistic about it but the reality seems to be that he's not going to play much at all if at all at the World Cup so uh yeah what, what do you think about this we'll talk about this a bit later but it's a massive blow isn't it no it's massive I mean he's literally just not the icon he's also he's he's the spirit heart and soul of that team you can't you can't think of the the Lions without Sadio Mane and I can understand why they took him and because even if Sadio is not playing and this is somebody I was at the AFCON this is somebody that, that the team plays for him and he plays for the team and the kind of influence he has on the team is like Cristiano with faith the 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 way Portugal respect Cristiano is the same level if not more how the teammates respect um, Sadio Mane in Senegal. And so Ali Sisse had no option but to take him. But in reality, he would be lucky to get a game. They've already confirmed that he will not be part of the first game against Holland, which is, for me, that's the most difficult game in that group. But mm. just being there, speaking to the lads, getting at them and, and, and them knowing that he's sat in the stands or on the bench will give them a little bit of boost as they seek to reach the knockout stages of the World Cup. Definitely. I mean, the, the optimism there was unbelievable before the injury. I have to say, like, you know, most people I spoke to were, he was saying, at least the quarterfinals. And a few were very, very confident, you know, saying that we can win this. And I don't think that would have been, you know, maybe winning it, perhaps not, but like semi finals would have been a, you know, a, a realistic goal, I think, before this yeah. injury. So it's changed that. But I think that there's still the quality in the squad there. To get them through the group, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll discuss more later on. But um, just before we let the others in, quickly, uh, who do you think uh, is going from the Premier League is going to the World Cup in best form? From the Premier League, yeah. Wow, that's a really good question. Um, Thomas Partey, yeah, on real point. form at the minute. I mean, everything that Arsenal have done, you get the feeling that he's the foundation upon which they build, and. He, if Ghana is going to excel, Thomas is going to, to really be at his game because he's such a sleek, smooth footballer, isn't he? And um, it's I, 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 I think that he will have a say on where Ghana, if Ghana can go or if 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 Ghana cannot excel as much. And then there are a couple of players who also go; they're not in the best of shape, but they have a lot to prove. Hakim Ziyech hasn't had the best of times at Chelsea but the World Cup is the biggest platform if he can excel then obviously you get the feeling that there'll be more clubs looking at him and saying oh he's not playing at Chelsea so we can actually take advantage of this and, and go and same of Ishmael Esawas with Watford and I mean with just quickly on Senegal also before we let the other ones in they missed out or they, 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 they failed to progress from the group stage in Russia because of fair play. They became the first country to leave the World Cup on basis of fair play. That would have hurt. And Khalid Koulibaly hasn't speaking that they will have to learn from that and go on to use that World Cup. And yeah, in a really good group. I mean, there's there's obviously the Netherlands, but Ecuador and Qatar are beatable, especially on the FIFA ranking. And I think that it's an interesting group, the one that promises a lot for the Taranga Lions. 
Okay, now it's time to welcome our very special guest to Maiden Africa. Gary L. Smith is a renowned sports journalist who even has his own Wikipedia page these days and has contributed to The Guardian and The New York Times. Hi, Gary. Good to have you here. How are you? Doing well, thank you. Doing well, thank you, guys. And thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Excellent. Must be looking forward to the World Cup a lot of, with, with Ghana coming uh, coming back. Uh, but we'll, we'll chat more in a minute. And also, we must also welcome uh, Yoro Mangana, who I met during AFCON in 2019. He's a real expert on the Senegal team. Hi, Yoro. Thanks for joining us. How are you? You're welcome. I'm here and uh, we will pass a, a very nice, nice time with you. I hope. Yeah, thank you very much for taking the time. So, guys, I mean, the, the first place to start, Yoro, if you don't mind, uh, is with Sadio Mane, I think. We were just talking about him a little bit. What what chance do you think Senegal have without him of, of doing well at this, this World Cup? Zero, zero, zero chance, zero chance. He's not uh, now... Uh, I think Sadio Mane will never... He cannot play this World Cup because uh, Sadio Mane is out... I talked to the manager of Sergio Mane. I talked to some guys who are around the player. I don't say the, the manager, but the, 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 the man who is around of Sergio Mane. I don't yeah, uh, give the yeah. name. I don't, yes, I don't give the name. But they, they, they told me Sergio Mane cannot play this World Cup, uh, but uh, they will try. Uh, to guard it, maybe when Senegal go in the quarterfinal or semi-final, and uh, that the big, big question, Senegal uh, maybe will never go in uh, quarter or semi-final in this World Cup. Perhaps, yes. as Alusi say, want to do same thing in the last uh, Afghan. The last Afghan. He bring with the Senegal team Ismail Assar and he got it in quarterfinal. And he say, when I can't do it with Ismail Assar, maybe I can't do the same thing with Sadio Mane. Uh, but uh, I think in my opinion, it is not the, the same player and not the same blessure. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and that, that's the issue. I, I think that it's more hope than expectation, I think it's fair to say. How close do you think they can get to getting through the group stages, at least? We have players who can uh, take uh, Sadio Mane place. That is not the question. The question is, maybe they will not have... Uh, to to bring the pressure. It is more pressure if you want to take Sadio Mane place. I don't know when Ismail Assar or Iliman Jai who play in championship in Sheffield United or Krepen Jata who play uh, to Monaco. I, I, I don't know if these players can support Pressure, yeah. but when Sadio Mane is in the ground, he takes all the pressure of the team. When Sadio Mane is not here, the pressure will be in these players, and they not have 
uh, in the past uh, to, 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 to take this pressure in the team. You will play yeah. for uh, yeah. he, he, 20 he's, million he's so... of person. It, it, it's so difficult to uh, the, the pressure. Yeah, exactly. He's so experienced these big occasions and you know, no. Every, every time they they've won a big game, it's been him who's won it for them. You know, with the penalty shootouts and uh, and everything like that. Gary, I just wanted to get your opinion on Senegal. What do you think? Have they got a, a good chance of getting through the group, even without Sadio? Um, when you speak to a lot of Senegalese, they they sort of have the same views that Mangara has. However, realistically, maybe this view pertains to only the coaching team. They really think if they let the players understand a few things, they can. But let me try and explain. Without Sadio Mane, what is this Senegalese team? They are experienced. They've gone through the mill. They have a core of players who know each other for the last four years, five years. They understand what it means to work for the shirts. They have cohesion, which you cannot say for about 90% of the teams coming to the World Cup. Yeah. So without Sadio, he might be an inspiration, yes. He might be the totem, yes. He might be the talisman, yes. But are there 11 other good players that can be chosen on the field without him? Absolutely. Absolutely. I think that with an injection of self-belief, the right motivation and psychology, they can do the job. Let's examine what Sadio does for the team without being sentimental or emotional. On the pitch, he plays from the left, you know, right? Cuts in, works hard, links up play, and scores goals. Do they have two or three players who can do that, not as well as Sadio? Yes, they do. They've got Bulaya Dia. They've got Nicholas Jackson has never played for the national team, but he's got a call up into the side for the World Cup. The mystery around him may be good for the team. They've got a couple of players who can maybe not do, you know, and, 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 and players will tell you, when they walk out of the, of the dugout and they see somebody like Sadio in their opposing team, it strikes some fear into them. So they are going to lose that fear factor. Yeah. But basically, do they have a team that is good enough. This is not Ghana that we are talking about. This is not Cameroon we are talking about. This is a Senegal team who have been there and done that. Mm. They only lost the, 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 the World Cup big places, like, like Raman said, because of a yellow card infraction, of a yellow card rule. They went on beating in the subsequent qualifiers for the AFCON. They also went on beating in the qualifiers for the World Cup. Are you telling me that an entire team did that only because of one player? I, mm. I no, I agree. So. I think I think that they have they still have a chance, uh, but obviously expectations are probably dimmed a little bit. I, I've just spent yeah, that yeah, 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 yeah. you know uh, they, they were yeah. so confident earlier uh, before the injury. But I, also, uh, Yoro, I just wanted to ask you about Aliou Cisse because I think. As Gary mentioned, they have a master tactician at their at the helm. There, somebody who's very experienced, who knows the players so well. And how important do you think he is for this this Senegal team? He, he's a, he's like a father figure, really, isn't he? You know, Alou Cisse is uh, in this team. 
until uh, seven years. He know the team. He know the players, and he he have something who the other uh, coaches haven't. Alusi is born in Senegal. He know Senegal player mentality. He came in France young, and he know France young boys mentality. We have in this team many players who is born in France and he can drive the team and he say and he know what when you want to take uh, with a player who's born in Senegal what to say him what to say to the players who born in France and the two cultures of Uh, Alucise help him to drive well this team and have a nice talk with the player. When you take uh, a man who is born in France, uh, a white person, uh, when he came in Senegal to coach Senegal team, he don't know Senegal reality. Mm. It's problem. When you are a Senegal coach, you don't know. France young players reality because you don't live in France. Alucise have the two cultures and he's very smart and to know for these players what I can say for him, for the other players what I can uh, say for him. And before Alucise, we have a coach, but in the team you have one team. But two groups, mm-hmm. because uh, uh, you have one group here of uh, uh, Senegalese players who is born in France. In uh, the left, you have another group Senegalese players who is born in Senegal. Now you don't have the two group. You have one group, one team, one leader, mm-hmm. and uh, if you if you see. He's very clever, Alucise. The former captain of our team, it was Sheikhou Kouyaté. He said, Sheikhou Kouyaté, come here. If you want today to have the same team, not true group, give me the captain. I will bring it to Khalidou Koulibaly. He's a player who is born in France. But you can say, oh, you are born in France, but you have same team, and you are a Senegalese. Uh, me, I'm a Senegalese. Kuyate is a Senegalese. Take you are our captain. Symbolically, is is the big thing. But Kalidou Koulibaly will be concerned, and he say, oh, I am so important in this team. I am not a young player who born in France. I'm just coming here to play. If it's good, it's good. It is when it's bad, it's bad. Mm. In the past, we have Mamadou Nyang, uh, Kaba Jawara, uh, Suleiman Jawara, etc. But they don't concern to be a Senegalese. They play for Senegal, but they don't yeah. concern. Yeah, that's no, it's, it's interesting. You mentioned I think that's really interesting about about the manager as well. And and as, I was going to ask you about this, Roman and Gary, 
but you know, it's five uh, five homegrown managers uh, of African nations for the first time at the World Cup, and obviously with Ghana, there's a similarity there, isn't there? Because Otto Addo, yeah, was born born and raised in Germany. Yeah, but the thing about Otto Addo is that he has really deep roots in Ghana. People underestimate it. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. I'm on the podcast. Yeah. When Otuado comes to Ghana, he goes to a place in Accra called Bibuashi. And he has his real G's there. And I mean, his real, you know, like day ones there. Like he goes there and he sits down and he vibes with them because he used to come down for holidays and he spent a few years down here. Yeah, and, so, and obviously he played, remember, he played quite a few games for Ghana as well, didn't he? Uh, for Ghana as well. In yeah. fact, it was that which endeared him at the time he was playing, because it took people by surprise that he was so rooted in the in the whole Ghanaian thing for somebody who had been in Germany for so long. You see, so um, yeah, he understands the Ghanaian culture a little bit, but being close to him over the last few months, I realized that uh, he's obviously more German than Ghanaian now in terms of mentality, you know, but. Um, like you say, all the five African countries have African coaches, which is great for what it means symbolically. Um, but Ed, I, I want to burst your bubble. I don't think we should, it's such a big deal. You know, I think it's a great coincidence and definitely not um, because African countries suddenly believe in their coaches. I just think that it's, it just happened to be. So why do I say so? Take Ghana, for example. Ghana were two or three matches away at the outcome from having a Serbian coach at this World Cup. No? Mm. If Milovan Rahivat had gone out of the deep stage at the World Cup and gone into the round of 16 and probably the quarterfinal, he would definitely have been here. You, you see, Otto Ado was only taken, and the truth, and I'm sure Roman will tell you, because one, he was the cheapest option that Ghana could get. If Ghana could have paid $80,000 a man coach, he definitely would have gone for Otuado. Mm. He was the yeah, safest, cheapest option. I think, at the time. I think you're right. There's a lot, there is there, there is a lot to do with coincidence as well. But at the same time, but, yeah, but somebody, yeah. yeah, you know, somebody like Cisse is kind of is he's pioneering that, but you're right, it's yeah, probably yeah, not, yeah. there's probably yeah. a not enough. It is more coincidental. But then then obviously we're talking about Morocco and uh their their new manager. Uh and he he's, and, he's and Morocco Morocco would not have had Morocco would not have had a homegrown manager also if, if, if the whole Hakim GS thing had not happened with the former coach by his right? Yeah. So, yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I you take it with a pinch of salt. Uh, Roman, do you want to have your say on, on Senegal on this? We, we haven't yeah, had this. Yeah, I've, yeah I've, I've, I mean, both Gary and Mankara have made some really good points about the build-up of the team. I just think that there's they are, they'll never have a better opportunity to go on and excel and, and express themselves like this year. This is the first time they go to the World Cup as champions of Africa. And even though the loss of Sadio will be massive, I've always tend to, to think that the problem of Africa at the World Cup is not necessarily lack of quality. It's just a lack of management from 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 the bench and reacting to situations and and seeing problems and weaknesses and and shaping the team because if you go through 
the Senegal team, the quality of players. They're literally their first goalkeeper is the first goalkeeper at Chelsea. They've got Khalidu Koulibaly in there, Abu Diallo. You can like these are players that have established themselves not only in Europe, but some of the best teams in Europe. And given how long they have been together, given the kind of chemistry they formed together, given the kind of strength they have gathered through defeats, through success, and through triumph, it's the perfect. I mean, they tend to be in a group, I think, they have the best group in most, or if not all, the African countries. Netherlands will obviously be top of that group. But if you take away the Netherlands, there's Ecuador and there's host nation Qatar who are making their first World Cup appearance. So really, like really, 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 you've got to think that it's the group is there for the taking for Senegal. Now, if they pop out of the group, I think they come straight into England's group. And likely, if England top that group, that should set a really good game between Senegal and England. And even though I think England player by player still have a little bit higher quality, it's football, it's a World Cup, and Senegal have proven that when they play against the big guys, they can respond. They beat France at their first ever World Cup. At the time, France were world champions and European champions. And so you don't put beat in England. And then the moment they get past England, then they're in the quarterfinal. That's how championship football is. So... Uh, yeah, this is why I, 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 it hasn't escaped my notice that, that that could be the game and does feel like that that, that could happen, doesn't it, maybe? But I, I just, Roman, I wanted you to talk about Ghana now as well because I know you've been championing it a bit. And Gary, you too, it's, this is your this is your opportunity. What what do you think is going to happen? Have they, There's obviously a very historic game to come at the very end, but really it, the, the big question for Ghana, I suppose, is will will Ghana still be in contention to qualify when they, when they play Uruguay? Do you think that, they, that they've got a good chance? Well, this is the most, um, and I've written about it, to say that this is the most um, difficult Ghana team to predict because this World Cup can go two ways and two extreme ways are that. It, it could be very, very spectacular in its success or it can be a really, really brutal failure. There's no middle ground. Um, the team is very much untested. They are yet to know each other, even from a cultural point of view. There's, there's so many dynamics. I mean, Mangara speaks about the previous generation of Senegalese players that were divided because half the team were born in France and had a superiorish mentality. You know, you don't have that in the Ghana team, but they are from such diverse backgrounds. And probably this is the first Ghana team going into a World Cup at this level where they don't have their roots in their, say, under 17s and 20s. The 2006 and 2010 and 2014 teams were so good because even before they kicked the ball at any of those World Cups, most of them or the core of those teams had played championship upon championship, either at the Afcon or in junior World Cups. And they had that temperament and that confidence. We don't have that with this team. As you may know, this team has only two players who have previously featured in the World Cup, Andre and Jordan, the IU brothers. The rest of the guys have either a few upcons under their belt or quite good at club football. Some have even gone as far as saying that 
player for player, this is the most talented and balanced team Ghana is ever taken into a World Cup. Player for player. At the same time, player for player, or as a group, this is the worst Ghana team being taken to a World Cup. You know. Otuado explained at a press conference announcing the squad two days ago that the Nigeria game was a bit for teachers because even before the game, he had Andre Ayu, his most experienced player, suspended due to what happened at the Afcon where he got a red card. A few key players were injured, meaning that we had to call totally new players to come in there. And they were able to do the business. This is not a World Cup playoff. This is the real thing. Coaches are going to have had months and months of time to call over your videos, look at player profiles, and execute a plan. The great thing for Ghana is that the element of surprise is very much in our favor. Can they use it against Portugal and against South Korea before playing Uruguay? Is the question. Mm. What and what do you think, Roman? Do you think that that, that is uh, going to happen? Because, uh, like Gary says, it is a little bit of an unknown this dip for Ghana. You sense that the the quality of the squads is much better than at the Afcon for a start. Yeah, the the thing with Ghana is. It's it's quite hard to tell which kind of side you'll have. We have we have problems. You can tell from just looking at the, the the profile of players we've got. We've got big time problems. But the they say that the biggest thing better than fear itself is hope. So a lot of the the positive things we see is based on hope because one. When we've done well at the World Cup, we've mostly had a really good goal-scoring striker in Asamoah Jan. In 2010, he was scoring goals. In 2006, he was scoring goals. We go into the tournament and it's hard to see where the goals will come by. And for me, that's the first red flag. Somebody who can put the goal away. Inaki's good running through the channels, but I've never really felt that he was a natural goal-scorer. We could smell goals and, and be in the right place and, and finish off brilliantly. And then we have a problem with left back. And I say this because it's a problem in Ghana that a lot of people don't 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 look at. Naturally, we don't produce left backs. And historically, any left-footed player in Ghana, when I was growing up, wanted to be a left winger or a lefty, not necessarily a left-back. You can put maybe a hundred young players around and nobody wants to be a left-back. They all want to be... Like, when CK Akuno was really good and I was incredibly young at that time, all, every lefty wanted to be like a CK Akuno. But football is developed so much that left-back is a specialist position. When we went to the World Cup in 2006, I think we played Adequay Papo as left-back. After the first game, he was so much criticized. He never played a game for Ghana because he was so poor. I, in 2010, I think we played a right back at left back, which was Hans. Hans Edisape. Oh, yeah, I remember him, yeah. He, he was a right back. But, yeah, but I, th I, I think that you know, Ghana, Ghana are, are quite unfancy, and that might, suit you, that might suit you this time, I think. Yeah, yeah, and, and you've got I'm that just... motivation of the Uruguay game as well, which you know, everyone, I know. Sorry, to, yeah, to mention, really, but but that is going to be going to be fun. I'm just picking up some of the 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 
the glaring weaknesses that most technical teams will look at when they are preparing for us. Yeah. And, and those things are what defines tournament football, set pieces, weakness. It's not... One of the, the, the things about football is that you play a league game differently and you play a seven-minute tournament differently because normally there are certain finer details that define those things. Refereeing decisions, a set piece, a throw in, a back pass, a mistake, a moment of speciality, just those little details. And we have a lot of those weaknesses that people come. One of our biggest weaknesses in 2014 when we went to the World Cup is that we were playing somebody like Kojo Asamoah as a left back when he naturally even didn't want to be there. But we didn't have any other option. Yeah. Do you get what I'm trying to say? There are a lot of things about our team that I think that people will work on to be better. But in any case, I don't want to be the doomsayer. There's this chance that we, we get something from Portugal, which is incredibly hard to see at this moment. But if even we lose against Portugal, there's the chance to get something from South Korea. And I don't really even see that game against Uruguay as a revenge because that is built for the narrative. But we lost against Uruguay in a knockout stage. We lost against Uruguay in extra time. We're playing against Uruguay, which by that time, if we're very good, we either might not even need that game or we might already be out of the competition by then. So there's nothing. What is riding on it is quite insane. Well, you, you could knock Uruguay out. That would be quite sweet. Or we could knock them out. That's what I'm saying. So it's not it's not placed at the same level as we met them. And it's better that we try as much as possible not to get sucked in onto the narrative because that could really. Because if you put all your hopes on that Uruguay game, you might even get there and it will mean nothing. Mm. So, yeah, interesting days ahead for us. But there are some exciting things I just need to add. I'm quite looking forward to players like Tariq, who's, who I've seen. I remember watching his debut. I was with Henry Winter that day at, at the Emirates when he came on under Frank Lampard. And the moment he came on, he did something that I will never forget. The first ball Tariq Lamte had that day, he ran straight forward and never looked back. And even though in the end, Arsenal took the ball, it just gave me an idea of what kind of a footballer he is. Because normally on your debut, when you come on, you want to have a very first, a short touch just to settle into the game. And this was a young guy who had been itching to get into the Chelsea team. And he got the, the chance at in Emirates. And immediately his first thinking was to go on and effect the game. So much water has gone under the bridge. He's moved on to Brighton, started brilliantly, picked up a bad injury, and he's now finding his way back into the team. If he plays well as a wing back or a winger or a right back, if Inaki can settle into the team, Mohamed Kudus can get back to his really brilliant form that he showed in the early start of the season at Ajax. And Thomas Partey can excel. Believe me, there might be something in there for us. Yeah, well, let's hope so because uh, I think you've. You got plenty of hype. Your everyone's hopes up with the uh, with your prediction against uh, Nigeria, and proved correct. <laughs> oh, yeah. If so, we were, we were playing Nigeria, believe me, we would have qualified because we've got their number. If only you it's could play like Nigeria in the group, that would be that would be perfect.
Well, thanks for that, Rob. And um, as predicted, a very long section about Ghana there, but it's all good. It's very interesting to hear what's, uh, what your thoughts were. Um, just, just on to the other three candidates now. Let's start with Cameroon then, Yoro. Um, what do you think about them? They're a bit of an unknown quantity. Obviously, they got through the last, very last minute against Algeria, really dramatic in the qualifiers, but, uh, and had quite a strong AFCON on home soil. Um, but do you think they have a good chance of, of getting through the groups? A chance, I don't know, because uh, there are many problems in this team. There are many problems with the players. There are many problems with uh, the the coaches and uh, the president of the federation. Sometimes some players told me in half, uh, the coach is not uh, the real coach of the team, but. Eto is the real coach of the team. Mm. He, he give the, the, the list of uh, the players. He, he don't like uh, to see Ngada in this team, etc., etc. And if you look Cameroon team, when we have not problem, they go high in the in the tournament. But yeah. when they have problem, it's not good. Yeah, it can be a disaster sometimes for Cameroon. In part, and, and uh, you know, Rigobert Song, obviously the the coach has played in four World Cups and uh, had had his fair share of desire. He had you know two red cards, but also you know he's an absolute hero in Cameroon. So uh, whether he's the right manager to take them forward, I don't know. Um, Gary, any thoughts on, on Cameroon? I didn't want to say in as many words that he's a real coach of the team. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, anybody with eyes, and especially anybody who was in Cameroon earlier this year, the AFCON, could tell that, you know, even with, look, and Samaleto's personality, Ed, is such that the cliche in African football is that, you know, when it's a white coach, you can't control them. But Samaleto is so huge a personality that you have to be extremely strong-willed to withstand his his ideas or suggestions okay and and Roman let's have a look at Morocco what do you think about their chances there I think a lot of people fancy them to maybe maybe get through the group they haven't done that since doing it for the first time the first African team to do it in 1986 when they came top of a group uh, including England do you think there's any opportunity for them in, in Qatar well, that's hard to see. I mean, most of their top players who they rely on are not in great shape. I I mentioned ZH at the beginning, and I don't think he's in the best shape, but that could also mean that he's pumped up to go and have a good tournament. Also, PSG's Ashraf Hakimi. It's quite interesting because Hakimi was really good at the start of the year, but he's just gone a bit quiet these days and the whole issue about Hakim not being interested until the coach was sacked and being back will be quite interesting to see if they they can they can put up a really good team to 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 predict but I I hardly can see what Morocco can do from this point really I'm surprised that I, I thought you might be a bit more positive about them because uh, no, I, no. I think they've got the I think they've got the quality in the squad to cause an upset it's not I mean Croatia and Belgium obviously our top European teams, uh, and then Canada, you know, will be decent as well. But 
Yeah. I don't know. What, what do you think, Yoraya? Do you have any hope for uh, for Morocco? Morocco have a very, very, very good team. When you see this team, uh, you have uh, maybe one of the best goalkeeper in in Spain. Uh, and uh, uh, you have uh, Ashraf Akimi, Ziyech, and you have a coach uh, who know Morocco mentality. And uh, when you can bring Akim Ziyech in this team, and you have uh, uh, maybe he's not now. Uh, it is not uh, the, the same career. Two years ago, he play very well. Is El Nesri? Maybe yeah. in this World Cup, when you have the best El Nesri in this team, and Ziyech who can give him a ball, Morocco. In 1999, in 2000, in, in, in Russia, this team play very well. They don't have chance. And now they have experience, many experience. They have very good players. And it is peaceful now. With Vaid, there are many problems in this team. Now it is peace. And when you have peace in your team you can go far in the in the in in, in the big competition mm -hmm. yeah i agree i think i think that there could they could be a bit of a dark horse hopefully but as i say it's such a difficult group with croatia uh there but maybe getting older and belgium also aging they they will they will be tough and i think morocco have got a massive world cup pedigree as well haven't they have been in the competition quite a few times and as i said before they got through the group for the first time. Uh, and and the manager, uh, I don't know if he, if anybody knows much about the manager, uh, but he's he's done really well, hasn't he, in, in Africa? You know, he won the African Champions League uh, with Casablanca and uh, has a real pedigree. Uh, he's won the league title in, in Qatar as well. Um, so, yeah, it's going to be interesting. And you're right, I don't know if you know much about Tunisia, but I'll ask you about them as well. They, they look to have a really hard because obviously they're going to play against France. Yes, uh, for me, Tunisia have no chance to win France and to go in the second in the in the second half because uh, Tunisia don't have a very good player uh, and uh, Sakini, the best uh, Tunisian player have his uh, uh, older now and uh, Tunisia don't have good preparation you know Tunisia in the past they have a very good organization they can uh, they haven't a very strong player a very good player but they have a good organization and if you want to have a good organization you want to have many uh, uh, matches before the tournament. And in this tournament, they don't have uh, friend matches 
to prepare as well as the steam. And it will be a very, very big problem for Tunisia. But they, 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 they know pressure because when you play for uh, Esperance Tunis, oh, you know this pressure with uh, Esperance with Wak or Esperance Al-Ahli, Esperance Zamalek. They know pressure, but they play uh, in the big stadium, but they don't have time to organize, to, to, take, to have a big organization uh, before the, the World Cup. That's the, the, the very big problem uh, for this, uh, this national team. And Wabi Kazri is old too. He's not, uh, uh, he don't play uh, in Montpellier. Uh, I don't see this team. Uh, I will never do one coin of uh, for Tunisia. No. No, no, I don't think many people hold out much hope. Gary, do you want to come in on Morocco or Tunisia there? I think you, uh, we didn't ask you about Morocco. Any any thoughts? Morocco come in peace. And that's that's a big thing for them. You know, because under this coach, Walid Retrogravi, uh, they sort of rally behind a manager that almost all the players respect. And that's a big thing, you know. And with the resources at their disposal, they are, they are sure that they are not going to have much of a problem with organization. And that's another. Now comes the football itself. They have a good squad of players, but whether they are solid enough mentally, I think that will be their biggest challenge. At this World Cup, in this group, is what I don't know if they would have you know, because in Africa at the moment, they are, I mean, far away, one of the best sites on a good day. Yes, they didn't show it at the AFCON with every Renard and all that, but we, we, we know the, the factors behind that. This manager, what I'm hoping they would have is a lot of mental steel. If they get that, I am sure they can surprise. Talent-wise, I do not think that they have much of a problem. Discipline will be a big deal. I know it's cliche and you don't want to hear that about African teams. I will not say this about many or any of them because they are prone to having straps and arguing about the slightest thing. You saw it during the half-con. You saw it during qualifiers. Mm. And it is an attitude that has come up because They've played most of their home games at home, at home in Morocco. Oh, right. Okay. We and they have not played a lot of international, yes, international, high-profile international friendlies. Mm, so right. they have a lot of 50-50 decisions going their way, which has given them a sense of, you know, they, they, they sort of live in their bubble, in their comfort zone. Maybe in the World Cup, when certain 50-50 decisions don't go their way, I'm worried that, you know, it might lead that's my worry for them. But talent-wise, I don't think that they have much of a problem. Yes, most of them may not play the biggest teams in the world, but with their coach that they have, they have enough, enough to work as a unit and to give us good games, I think. Mm. Well, it's going to be very interesting. Yeah, thank, thanks for your insights there. And guys, I just want to ask you, 
just before we end. Uh, starting with you, Roman, one player to watch from all the African teams, please. Uh, I'd like to see what Kudus can do at the World Cup. I'd like to see that. Yeah, that's going to be very interesting because he's a, a man in form, isn't he? Uh, and and uh, Yoro, how, how about you? Kalidu Kulibali. Yeah, because it's not been the, the most uh, impressive start for him yet at Chelsea. He's struggled a little bit. And then and Gary, what about you? For, for most Mendy from Senegal, for most Mendy. So, I'm just going to say that. Okay. Well, that's really good. Thank you so much, guys, for coming on. It's really, really interesting. And uh, let's hope that uh, both Ghana and Senegal can get through at least the first uh, knockout into the knockout stages. But yeah, thank you very much for your time. I appreciate okay. it. Okay. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.